let's start with a word of prayer. Um, here's what's going to go on. Uh, I'm going to start with a word of prayer. Christy's going to come up and preach, which we're super excited for. Um, we got a couple of songs. We don't have a band today, but I want you to just sing out and, and just praise the Lord in this place. Um, and then uh, and then we'll be done. Um, but first, I wanted to say, I just, man, walking in this morning, it was so cold outside. And I'm like, I don't think Ukraine's a very warm place this time of year. Um, and I just, I want to say a prayer for uh, the people in Ukraine. And, and Christy, why don't you come up and I'll, I'll pray for you as well. Um, but yeah, let's, let's bow our heads and, and pray this morning. Lord, I, um, we have no clue what's going on in the Ukraine besides a few photos, a few videos that we've seen, but you know, you know people's fears, you know people's hearts, you know people who are, are praying for courage right now, you know people who are, are um, praying for their children right now, and, and you're, you know people who are praying for um, maybe they've lost someone or they're separated from their family, and, and we pray that you would just be with uh, each and every one of them in a, in a special way this morning. Be with the churches of Ukraine as they are probably trying to figure out how to do life and how to meet and how to worship you. Um, yeah, we pray that, that good would prevail uh, in the Ukraine. We pray that this morning. We pray for Christy. We thank you for her words that uh, I know that you've prepared her to speak this morning. I pray a blessing and an anointing over her. Um, help her to speak boldly, Lord, and to speak your word. Uh, in our heart. I pray that our hearts would be open to what you have this morning. In your name, amen. Without further ado, Christy Donna. So I have a, um, a fitness tip for you guys today to start us out with. If you ever really want a good workout, do something stepping out in faith where you're like, God, are you with me? So yesterday I was internalizing the sermon and praying it over, and I went to the gym. And this gentleman pulled me aside at the end, and he goes, do you, like, work out like that every time? And I was like, nope, I'm a Christian, and God's calling me to something, and, and so I'm pushing hard today. Um, so that's if there's your fitness tip. If nothing else, that's what you can walk away with today. But um, today I have the privilege of talking about something super near and dear to my heart, and I'm so glad that each and every one of you is here today. And I'm so honored. There's new faces. There's friendly faces. Um, and, I'm, and I'm grateful for that. So I want to talk a little bit about a dare. Have you guys ever given a dare to someone, maybe even a stupid dare to someone? <laughs> Think back to your 8-year-old, 9-year-old, 10-year-old, anyone? 15-year-old, 41-year-old, right? <laughs> dares, are, dares are interesting. Um, in our family, we play a game called What are the Odds? And if you've ever played this game, you give a number, like I'm, Titus is famous for doing what are the odds in our family, just to give some explanation for my son who's competitive. But um, in what are the odds, you say, all right, Dad, what are the odds we're going to sleep out in a snow cave outside in the cold tonight? And Josh will go, I don't know, 1 in 20. And then they each count down 3, 2, 1. And if they match the same number, you have to do the dare. You have to do the odds. Right, so Titus's favorite game is to try and get us to say something below five or below ten, and it's been um, some things where we say one in a million, like we're never going to do what you're asking us to do. But it's meant for some really fun, spontaneous things in our lives. We've slept out in snow caves. Um, we threw a random birthday party for a friend. She said, "Okay, Mr. Josh, what are the odds that I can have a birthday tomorrow?" He goes, "I don't know, one in five. So the next day we threw Kayla a birthday party, <laughs> off her birthday. Um, we've had a friend who traveled to Thailand. A friend said, what are the odds? You'll go with me to Thailand next week. And they hit the same. I think she gave one in 100. 
and they hit the same number and she bought a ticket and she went to Thailand. So it's interesting, right? Dares create in us um, or require something of us. You don't just go up to a stranger and say, hey, will you take my dare? We go, we step into dares when there's only a relationship there, when our guard is down and when our trust is up. When we step into something where we go, I'll be willing to take that dare. I'd be willing to be spontaneous. I'd be willing to see what you have on the other side of that. But then there's also the next level of a dare, right? There's the I dare you. Then there's the I double dare you. Does anyone know the third? I triple dog dare you, right? And that's a whole new level. That requires you to say yes. There's a little. <laughs> if not, I can just keep yelling loud and it'll work out great. Um, so they're in, they're in a place where they have these stories of old, right? They have these stories that once upon a time, there, our relationship with God called us to daring things. Our relationship with God called us into things that we go, are you sure? Will you be there to catch me when I step out? This is not where they're at today. They're jaded. They're discouraged. They feel like their prayers hit a ceiling, silence, and there's nothing returned back. Anyone else ever felt that way? All of the above, right? There's days when you go, man, where are you? Where are you in the midst of my marriage? Where are you in the midst of this relationship? Where are you with my kids? Where are you with my neighbor? Where are you with me? There's moments where we can relate to Israel and go, okay, I get it. So this is where Malachi comes in. 
And Malachi, it's interesting, I sort of look to him a little bit like um, a therapist. Maybe it's because I'm a counselor by training. Um, but Malachi kind of comes to them, and it's like he's doing marriage counseling between God and Israel. He's like, all right, y'all, let's bring this all together, and we're going to talk about it. And he does a great job of giving voice to both sides, like a good marriage counselor does. But sometimes in marriage counselor, there's counseling, there's one that's a little bit more leaned in than the other. There's one that's a little bit more, I'm here, let's do this. And the other one's kind of like, mm-hmm, yep. I think I can do that, but I'm not sure I'm quite ready yet, right? And so you watch in the dynamics of the book of Malachi this tension of Israel and God and the challenges that God brings before Israel. You feel distant that's because there's something between us. You feel distant. It's because there's, there's ways in which you haven't upheld my law. You feel distant. And what's beautiful about Malachi he, is he does what any good leader would do and what any good counselor would do. He starts at the top. He calls out the priests before he calls out the people. He calls out the people who have been anointed and called to be his voice and be his vessel. And in that, we're going to step into one of the last kind of call outs of Malachi. So there's Bibles if you need one or if it's on your phone or if you brought your Bible. Um, we're going to be looking at Malachi 3 verse 7. In the Bible that's here, it's page 452, and you're going to need extra big glasses because the font in these Bibles is ungodly small. <laughs> so um, with that, we're going to read Isaiah 3, 7. All right. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees, and you have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how will we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But we ask, how do we rob you? God answers, in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Now close your Bible. Everyone close your Bible. I want to walk through this with you. In this moment, as we go back, so Trevor, go back just a few slides to, to the very first part of this. Imagine that Malachi is doing some marriage counseling, okay? God says, ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees. You have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you. But you ask, how will we return, right? So imagine now here's the Israelites, the other side of the marriage counseling. Go to the next slide. Um, but you ask, and God says, you rob me. And they're like, will you rob you? It's kind of like, have you ever been in a fight in your marriage? I've been in a fight in my marriage. Where you go, we never go out anymore. What do you mean? We were just at McDonald's last week, right? <laughs> What do you mean we had 20 minutes before we picked up the kids? It was great. I loved that time together. And the other person's like, oh, really? Or have you ever been in a fight in a marriage or a relationship where the words always and never come out? And you kind of like, really, always, really, never? So it's kind of where the people of Israel are going, rob you? What are you talking about, rob you? You're the one that's been distant. You're the one that's left us. You're the one where we're the side back alley nation amongst a greater nation, right? So they're coming, coming to him, and God says, 
but you're under a curse, the whole nation, because you are robbing me. And go to the next one. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Now, I want to unpack a couple of things here. The word, um, the curse, the curse isn't God saying, I'm now punishing you. The curse is that the Israelites have stepped out of the blessing of the Lord, the protection of the Lord, by not keeping his decrees, keeping part of their, their covenant relationship, the promises that they've given to each other, just like a marriage, the promises that they've entered into as, um, as a nation under God. And with that, he talks about, in my, in my um, translation, it talks about tithes and offerings. And there's a very distinct point on the word tithes that I want to talk about. Put yourself in the context of an agrarian or agricultural society. A tithe was considered the first fruit, right? The 10%. A tithe is 10% of your income. But the Israelites weren't just required to give 10%. They were required to give the first 10%. If you give 10% of your crops, do you have any guarantee that tomorrow the remaining 90% will still be there? That a fire, that hail, that pests, that something won't come and destroy that? Do you have any guarantee? You don't. The closest we get to that in our society is someone who's ever started a business, right? And you're going, where is that next dollar coming from? Okay, this is going to be interesting. The Israelites lived that day in and day out. They were constantly aware of their position being dependent on God's provision. That they had to have a posture of gratitude and a posture of saying, Lord, I don't know. I don't know where this will all come from next, but I am choosing to trust you. That's an interesting place to be. And then on top of that, on top of that 10%, he says, and then bring your offerings. Bring those gifts that are just coming out of the joy of your heart. Bring your gifts that are coming out of those needs for Ukrainians. Bring those gifts for women and children who are stuck at the border and who are ripe for human trafficking. Bring your gifts. Bring your offerings, right? This is the opportunity where Christ or Jesus and God say, come into that. Bring your offerings before me. But he's first saying tithe, right? And there's a posture there that's fascinating. And now I want to be careful. We're now in the Old Testament, and then there's a thing called the New Testament. So for those of us in the room who consider ourselves a Jesus follower, the New Testament is a new opportunity. Christ fulfilled those requirements of tithe. Christ fulfilled those requirements of um, so many facets of the Jewish law. And so there's freedom in what we have stepping in as a New Testament believer, right? There's grace when it comes to this. Um, but oftentimes, I would, I would contend that our modern then equivalent of kind of, all right, Lord, here's how I give to you, is that we fall more into the offerings category than we sometimes do into the tithe category. We tend to say, all right, I have freedom. I'm going to give when I feel like it's just the right thing. I'm going to give when I have extra. Who has extra at the end of the month? Does anyone ever feel like they have extra? Okay, good. I'm glad that no one, no one feels that. You know why? Because wealth is a moving target. You lean into it and you say, here's my new line. And then suddenly you get comfortable on that one. You go, here's my new line. Oh, I get comfortable there. It never ends. It's, it's an appetite that just continues to move. I don't know if you guys have ever been in those moments when you were young, 20-something, or maybe you're your young high school kid, and you're like, God, I'm giving you everything. And God's like, 
sweet, your 1982 Honda hatchback in a boombox, sweet. Can't wait, that's what you have for me. Right, there's moments when we're like, it's all yours. All three things that I have laying before me. And as we get older, our tendency is to maybe go, I don't know, I don't know. It's, I have freedom in Christ. I'm not sure if I, if I have to give that, right? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk us through um, the next part. I wanna take us to the next level. And this is where God, for the first time, the only time, the last time, where he gives us permission to dare him. So turn with me to 310B, go back to page 452. This is what God says next. So I'm going to read the beginning of verse 10. Bring the whole tithe, not a portion, not the part that feels safe, not the part that just feels like you have margin at the end. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. It says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent the pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. And then the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. So now catch this. Do you guys catch those words? I will throw open the floodgates of heaven. I will pour out my blessings. You won't even have room. Talk about that moving line. God's like, I got your back. Not only that, I'm going to make sure that what you do have, it's prevented from pests, that the vines won't cast off their fruit, that you will have something at the end of the day to hold on to, and you will become the envy of all of those around you in a really good and healthy, envious way, right? The Israel's li Israelites living then in both the tension of how can you be so generous and have all that you need? How do you get to do both, right? That's what he's saying. We all long to sort of be like, wow, look at the life they get to lead. God's like, yeah, the life you get to lead is to be generous and to have exactly what you need. And God is basically saying, bring it to my house and I will fill up yours. So at the heart of this, right, if we're, if we're now moving into, um, you know, maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't know about this whole Jesus thing. Here we are. I've come to church. I picked the wrong Sunday. She's talking about money. See, churches always talk about money. Why does God care about this? Why does God care about this? He doesn't need, he didn't need the Israelites' money. He didn't need that to fulfill his purposes. What he's looking for at the heart of that is he wants our hearts. He wants our trust. He wants our guard down and our trust up, that we step into our faith relationship with Jesus in a whole new way. Did you know that the number one reason, this is a fascinating stat that I learned when I was getting my, my master's, the number one reason cited for divorce, does anyone know? Money. Money. You know why it's money? It highlights our values, and it highlights that which we fear. Are we afraid of not having enough? Are we afraid of not driving the latest, the greatest? What will people think if I don't? It highlights what we value, where we prioritize our time, and it can throw into stark 
realization how different our values can be from someone next to us. Money becomes a safety net. Money becomes a place where we feel secure, where we feel confident that like, whew, I'm good. It's okay if Ukraine goes down. We got this. I got some savings. I, you know, there's a generator out back. We feel protected. We feel as though our future is secure. So if we're now under the freedom of Christ, right, we're in the New Testament, we're no longer bound by these rules, what is it that Christ is asking us for? And I would contend he's asking us for our heart to truly step into um, our trust in him. Not because he needs us to be submissive and we're the totalitarian, totalitarian, you will do this. But because he knows that when, our, when we step into that relationship, our guard is down and our trust is up. That we step into those dares where God says, I dare you. I dare you to trust me on this. Um, so what does it look like as a Christian in the, in the New Testament? What does it look like in our giving? If we're not required to give 10%, but we want to step in into a new level of faith, I would contend that if there's moments in your life where you feel like, man, I just don't know where God's at. I think God calls us back to disciplines. I think God calls us back to those moments where we say, all right, I'm anteing up again. I'm here again. I will show up today in prayer. I will show up this week and fast. I will show up this month and give. And in those moments, that's where God begins to return. And so I would say that there's three Ps. So this is where I've got like brownie points as my first preaching opportunity. I have three Ps for you. So it's going to be a good day at church, y'all. <laughs> so the first is that our giving is prioritized. Our giving echoes the posture of the first fruits. God, I have no idea if that deal will come in. I have no idea if that roof is going to hold. I have no idea if we're going to need a new car or I'm about to have a 16-year-old. I have no idea. Lord, I will prioritize and I will put myself in a posture of recognizing everything I have comes from you. The second thing is that it's a percentage, right? That it's a consistent percentage. In the Old Testament, we talked about it's 10%. I think in the, in the New Testament, I think that number might be bigger. I think it might be smaller. But I think there's a moment in which you go, what? <laughs> what do you want me to give, Lord? Are you sure? Are you sure? And the third, the third P, if you'll pay attention, there's probably extra P's in here that I'm going to say, like posture. But the third is progressive. If God's promised, the one time in the Bible where he says, I dare you, I dare you, what did he say the promise was? That your barns will overflow. You will have more to give. Suddenly you're stepping into that space where you have everything you need and then some. And you recognize, I have everything I need. I don't need more. I'm here to give. And the progressive nature of our giving begins to overflow. So some of you guys know Josh and my story around giving. This has been um, a lesson that we've learned early on when we were young and had nothing to our name but a boombox and a cordless phone. <laughs> um, but it's been a journey for us. And I, I debated how much to share or not um, 
And I, I decided to land on a story from 2011. Um, 2011, many of you guys have heard the story of the 1970 metal Kirby that I dumpster dive for and I started crying. You might know that story. Josh uses that story a lot, but um, I still vacuum and cry sometimes because of that story. Um, but in 2011, this is um, Josh and Christy Donoff. Jovi's about two. I'm pregnant with Titus. And um, I was about two to three years into my sales career, which at two to three years into sales career, nothing's happened, right? You've worked a day in and day out. You've pitched and you've pitched and you've pitched and you've pitched. Nothing's happened. You've gotten a few little wins here and there to feel like, <laughs> I think I can do this. But I'm pretty sure I'm an imposter. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to make it. I'm pretty sure this isn't my thing. It takes about three years for it to really start building towards a business that's sustainable and works. People would tell me that. I'm like, <laughs> not me. If I knew how to do this, I'd be figuring this out yesterday. Right? There's all of these doubts that go through your head when you feel like you're stepping into something as an imposter. But in this, in this season of our life, and much like today, I was the primary breadwinner. And um, during that year, at the very beginning of 2011, God, it just was so clear, God was calling us to give. And to give big. Bigger than actually what we had. He was calling us to give 50% of our income away. I went, I didn't hear that right. <laughs> do you ever do that when God says something and you're like, that wasn't God. Mm -mm, that wasn't him. That was my first reaction. I was like, I don't know. I don't know about that. 50%. Are you kidding me? Like we don't, on paper, that doesn't make sense. On paper, we couldn't pay our bills if we gave away 50%. There was no way. We had you guys, some of you guys know our first two houses, and they were <laughs> special in all of the work that they had and all of the opportunity that we poured into them. So it was, it was trying. Um, that year, as I was pregnant with Titus, I ended up having an emergency appendectomy. My appendix got pulled out, so I was out for about six weeks before he was born. Then I was out for another, you know, six, eight, I don't even remember how much I took on uh, maternity leave because... I felt like, oh my gosh, I need to get back to work at some point. Um, again, being that primary breadwinner. So that year, I literally, I think I worked eight or nine months total out of that year. That year, we not only gave 50%, every single need was met. I couldn't tell you what I spent my 50% on on me, but I can name every dollar, no joke, I can name every dollar that I gave away. We gave some to the church as a committed amount. We gave some to organizations as committed amounts. And then the rest, we played Secret Santa. We spent a year playing Secret Santa with both fun and faith and fear all mixed in. And I can't tell you what's coming in my Amazon package tomorrow, but I can tell you what I gave in 2011. It's interesting, isn't it? That we remember those moments when we go, God, are you sure? In that same year, I, for the first time ever, I met, met my quota. I got a raise, and God nearly gave me more than 50% of my salary the next year. Now, that's not here to say, like, oh, God's the genie. This is the health and wealth gospel that Christy's preaching, right? That if you give, God gives back, and he'll give abundantly. Just give. Give to us, actually. That'd be great, right? That's not it. That's not the point. Many of you guys know our story, right? Then there were years where we still gave our percentage giving, and we didn't have a furnace that worked, right? And we heated with wood, and it was cold every morning, and 
Many of you guys know I'm always a cold person anyway, so I'd like extra blankets. I'm like, all right, Jesus, here we go. <laughs> we drive old cars. We've lived on subfloors for years. That's okay. I don't think those will be the years that I go, I don't know how many years did we live on a subfloor? I don't, it won't matter. I'll remember the days and the moments that we chose to step in and, and give away. And what's interesting is just like the Israelites, right, in this, in this scenario in Malachi, all of their stories of God's great workings of the past were someone else's stories. They were David and Daniel and Moses and Abraham. And they meant something to them, but they weren't personal. What happens when you step into this level of faith and in a disciplined and tangible way is that suddenly these stories become personal. Some of you guys know Josh and my story in the last few years, but there have been some of our hardest years that we've walked. There's days when I'm like, God, I don't know if you're here. If I'm honest, I'm not sure if I really believe. I, I know I do, but I want to cuss. This is really hard. <laughs> it's what it feels like. And what do I call to mind? What is, what is the one thing that gives me that stake in the ground? It's days like 2011, years like 2011. It's moments when I said, all right, Lord, I think I'm in. So it's not, it's not a genie. It's not a game that you play. It's a discipline to step into that next adventure of what God has for us. And what's fascinating is God laid this message on my heart when Josh um, said, hey, you're going to preach. I'm like, I'm going to what? <laughs> what am I doing? Um, and then for the first time, not, ki not kidding, the first time in five years, this month, CLC has a financial gap. First time. And at first I was like, man, God, are you sure then this is weird that I'm preaching? He's like, yeah, because we're going to step up. I'm putting an opportunity in front of this church community to step in and step up and step bold, right? And it's tricky, right, when you're the pastor's wife to be like, hey, give to us. We're going to show a little video here, you guys. This isn't giving to Josh and me. This isn't giving to just even what happens within these four walls. This is giving to something bigger. And I don't know if you guys realize all that this little tiny church does in this community, but this group of people that meet here are absolutely amazing. We have wildlife and young life. You go ahead and play that video, Trevor. I can play in the background. We have wildlife and young life that meets here. There's kids that don't know Jesus that are showing up here and with glow sticks and this place looks like a very interesting landscape after a, a Tuesday night after the wildlife crew. Um, we've served with Joy International. We've raised thousands, thousands of dollars. You guys have given generously to Joy International with the Barefoot Mile. You'll see scatter church videos where we've been out in our community, small but mighty, sanding, raking, people showing up without clothes on when they open the door and you're like, oh, good morning. <laughs> nice to see you, right? There's moments, even your first, I think that was Brad, one of your first Sundays here where we met an interesting gentleman. Um, and, and some of you guys might know this, but our monthly costs are really what you see here. It's a building. That's it. We'd, and we don't have anything more. Josh takes his salary and we donate 100% of it back. We don't take a dollar from CLC. We give it back because we believe in the mission of, of this community of what we do. Aha, Judah, I see up there. <laughs> um, Y'all, this is an amazing opportunity. Not because of what you see on this, on this 
screen, but because of the people in this room. If I was going to place my bet for faith, place my bet on what God is going to be doing next in Evergreen, it'd be with you all. It'd be with this room. So I'm going to put a challenge in front of us, right? That uh, Josh would say, if he were up here, and you've heard him say this before, don't feel like you have to give to CLC. But they say that opposites attract, and I think I'm, I'm going to disagree with him. <laughs> and he said, you can say you're the smarter opposite if you want. So I'm going to say I'm the smarter opposite. Um, I'm going to say give to CLC. We have yet to see, truly, we have yet to see what is capable in this community with a concerted joint effort towards giving to our local church, towards giving all in. And some of you guys are like, this isn't my local church. I get a pass today. Nope. I would ask you guys, if you consider yourself a Christ follower, to give your progressive gift here. Maybe it's for wildlife. Maybe it's for rescuing victims of Joy International. Maybe it's, maybe it's for standing with IJM, the International Justice Mission, and making sure that women and children aren't taken advantage of on the Ukrainian border. Whatever it is, we're going to be doing it together. And we're going to be praying about what's next, right? We're going to be serving our community through Scatter Church. So this isn't your home church. Give your progressive. Give your above 10% or above your percentage here. But if this is your home church, I dare you. Try it for six months. Give God six months. Give 10%. I dare you that you won't regret it. And now if you're not a Christ follower, we're so glad you're here. I think this is a message that you're kind of like, I'm not sure there's much to apply, but there is. We all know the saying, it's better to give than to receive. We know that. We know that to be true. So what I would encourage you to do is to pick a percentage Still pick a percentage. Maybe it's 2%. Maybe it's 1%. But pick a percentage that for the next three months, you get a pass, right? Instead of six, you're down to three. Three months that you give a percentage. And don't, you can give to CLC, but I'd encourage you then to attend so you get to see what happens with that money. But if you don't give to CLC, I encourage you to give to people you know. And the reason why I say I encourage you to give to people you know is because then you know their stories. Then when you say, all right, and pray, pray. God will hear you. Whether you're a Christ follower or not, pray and say, all right, God, I'm not sure if you're real, but maybe make it clear who I'm supposed to give this money to. And he will. I guarantee you he will. But you need to hear the stories that they go, are you kidding me? I've never prayed in my entire life. I prayed this morning and you showed up. That will happen. That's the God that we serve. So whether you're a Christ follower or not, there's an opportunity for you to take that next step of faith, right? For some of us, we're ready for our double black diamonds. We've been a, a Christian for a long time, and it's time for us to step up. And then there's other of us that are like, ooh, I'm going to take the green, and that's okay. Just take something. And God's saying, I triple dog tear you, which means you have no choice. Because he can be trusted. Because he, his promises are true. It's not a stranger. It's not someone that's going to let you down. Because he can be trusted. Our church is only funded by people in this room. 
I don't know if you guys knew that. I don't know if many people know where it all comes from. We're not part of a larger organization. It's not like there's a backbone that we're like, hey, we're short. We, we need some cash, right? This is it. It's us. I believe in us because of who has got our back. So with that, remember that it is a priority, that it's a percentage, that it's progressive. God might be calling you to 10% or he might be calling you to a different number, but whatever that number is, it's going to add a fourth P. It's going to make your pulse rate <laughs> go up. And you're going to go, oh my gosh, are you sure? Whatever that line is, you need to make, make sure that you feel it when you write the check. Don't give it all away. Don't be stupid, right? But feel it. Make sure you're aware of where God's is stepping in. And allow for God. We've all seen what we're capable of with our finances. We've all seen it. But have you taken a moment to say, God, I want to see what you can do. So with that, let me pray, and we'll have a, a chance to stand and to sing some songs together. Heavenly Father, um, we thank you, Lord, that you are a God that um, doesn't care about anything but our heart. Like a good marriage, you want to have our guard down and our trust up. That there's a trust for each other and an openness, and Lord, you are the great provider one that will carry all of our needs and say, you don't have to. I've got this. So, Lord, I pray this week as we step into this um, that you wouldn't let the moment we step out this door that that goes, oh, that, was, that was an interesting sermon. Where should we eat lunch? Lord, that this becomes a moment where we say, you know what? I'll take that dare. I'll take it for three months or six months or five months, whatever it is, Lord. I pray that you would speak to each of us for our percentage and for the time. Um, and, Lord, that we would watch what you can do um, as we turn back a posture of um, just true humility that everything we have comes from you. Pray that you would bless my friends today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for a chance to come and worship you. Um, and with that, amen. So feel free to stand. We're going to just watch some videos and sing along um, and just worship God and take a moment to reflect.